What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access, a TGIF edition of Texans All Access. Thank God it's Friday. TGIFF, thank God it's Football Friday. Either way, I am glad that you are here with me. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans and preparing to go to Arizona to take on the Cardinals' first Texans regular season game at Arizona since 2013. Remember, we go there every eight years. And that was my uh, last year. That that year, I was not. The very next year, I was on the sideline. 2013, I was not. So I have not been there for a regular season game. But I have been there for a preseason game. In fact, my very first game down on the sidelines was 2014, preseason against the Cardinals, and it was awful. Carson Palmer just lit up the Texans on one drive, threw a touchdown to Larry Fitzgerald, and the Texans' offense could do nothing. It was brutal. Brutal. It was bad. So hopefully Sunday is not going to head in that direction. But two guys that were on the field, both in 2013 and 2014, on the Texans sidelines, we will see on the other sideline, and that's going to be very, very difficult, I will tell you up front. J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins, seeing them on the other sideline is, it's it's it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough to say the least um, to see them over there. I am happy for them. 364 days a year, the one day that they play us, I, I can't be, and hopefully we go and make them very, very angry and upset on Sunday, that would be kind of fun. All right, we got a jam-packed show. We're going to hear from Coach Cully here uh, in this segment in just a little bit. We've also are going to have a deep slant interview of the week with Nico Collins. How about that? The rookie stepping in, uh, I don't want to say against D.P. Sidhu, but she's stepping. In, he's stepping in alongside D.P. Sidhu. But I know the rookie stepping there. I know they have fun, but D.P. will put... She will put anybody and everybody on the spot. I've sat in that deep slant chair. It is. It's not easy. It's fun. It's fun, but it's not easy. She really uh, can hold your feet to the fire and is really, really good interviewer. So we're here from Nico Collins. Then we'll have my keys to the game. I'll have those for you. We will also have Mark Ingram on twice. How about that? Mark Ingram, Drew's Dozen, which if you know Drew's Dozen, Drew's Dozen is all really about things that are not really football. And then we'll hear from Mark later where it is just purely about football. We call that Drew's final word. In between there, in between the two Ingram visits, we will have my predictions. I pick each and every game in the NFL straight up against a spread. And thus far, I'm 1-0 because Thursday night, I knew Case Keenum was going to pull a rabbit out of his hat with the Cleveland Browns. Now, I don't know how Browns fans feel today. They got to win. So the Browns are 4-3. Case looked pretty good. I don't think he looked great. It looked pretty good. But Dearness Johnston, Johnson got things rolling. The run game, 146 yards. Goes over 100 yards in his very first ever start. That is pretty amazing for the Browns. Uh, but I would have gotten that one. I knew it was going to be close, but I knew the Browns were going to end up winning. I would have gotten that. How about the other games in the NFL? I will do all of those in our second hour. But we kick off the show, as we always do on a Friday, with the head coach of your Houston Texans, and that is David Culley, who sat down with Mark Vandermeer earlier to discuss this game in Arizona. Coach, Mark, take it away. 
Coach, let's start with Kyler Murray. You've been around a lot of different quarterbacks, and he's unique. He runs around. He makes plays. He doesn't run the ball as much as people might think. It seems very selective. Is that how you see it? Uh, exactly how we see it, Mark. And it's even tougher with guys like that because a lot of those guys, when they're when you get them outside that pocket and you know they got good, good legs to be able to run, and they're going to run. Well, the thing about him is he's looking to pass first. Mm-hmm. And that makes it even more dangerous because what ends up happening when he gets in that scramble mode and he's outside of the pocket, you've got to make sure you stay on the guy that you're covering. If you don't, then what ends up happening, as soon as he sees that, you think he's getting ready to run, then the next thing you know, he's letting that ball go to a guy down the field for a big game uh, because he's gotten out of the – pocket and extended to play but he's unique that way well they seem very balanced in the pass catching department everybody talks about Hopkins but he's tied for the team lead with two other players there's another one two receptions back so there's a lot of balance in the way they distribute the football uh, they do a great job of distributing it as you said and the thing about it is they play a lot of four and five wides and mm-hmm. they spread you out and basically what they do is in that offense they take what you give them you take somebody away then obviously that thing is going to go to somebody. And there's not a lot of double teams going on when they spread you out like they do. And basically what that does is they make you cover the whole field because that ball could go outside, it could go inside, and it really doesn't matter who's inside or outside, whether it's a receiver, whether it's a back or a tight end. They do a great job of distributing that ball and making you play the entire field. What about the challenges in facing them when they're on defense? And I know you want to run the football, so how difficult is that going to be? Well, you know, they've got a pretty good front right there. Obviously, a guy that we know very well. And then Mm -hmm. uh, another guy on the other side of that is a pretty good player also, too. So, you know, basically the challenge is that we've got to make sure that we're balanced. Mm -hmm. We've got to be able to, first and foremost, be able to get our running game going and be able to, if, if it's not working like it needs to be worked, is to be able to take the ball and, and be consistent and get completions in the pass game. And, and basically, when we're running it well, Mark, it allows us to be a little bit more consistent doing that. But we're going to still try to do that. However you put it together, you do have the element of surprise in the return game, kickoff returns, punt returns, with a new player back there and whatever corrections you've been able to make. Well, we do, yeah, especially with Tremont and Desmond back there. What ends up happening is now you get some guys back there that they haven't been able to actually see, but mm-hmm. we know Desmond obviously had some preseason work. Tremaine has had some work with uh, in the past from where he came from, and uh, you know we feel like at this, with making the change and whatnot and going the direction that we're going right now that we'll get a little bit more juice back there and basically just get a little bit more life and and get some uh, return yardage that we haven't been able to get to this point. Does it help Davis and the passing game, the fact that you've been on the road a bunch now, and this is back-to-back weeks, you've been in a lot of different environments so far, at least several. It does. And, you know, basically uh, he's had about half the games on the road, half on the mm-hmm. at home. And mm-hmm. so now I think it's to the point now where whether we're playing on the road or playing at home, it's really no different for him other than the crowd noise which we practice with crowd noise in, mm-hmm. uh, during practice, uh, I, I don't think it would make any difference with him. All right, Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. You're welcome, Mark. All right, big thanks to Coach Cully for uh, stepping in and sharing a few minutes with Mark about this one. All right, let's get to the most important document that comes out pretty much all week. I mean, we get a bunch of them, but I would imagine this one is probably the most important because it tells you who's playing, who's out, Who's questionable, who's doubtful, all those. Don't see many doubtfuls anymore. The teams just say a guy's out and he's out. So let's take a look. For your Texans, one guy is out, and this is just a gut punch. 
because Jaleel Johnson has been playing some pretty good football. Ever since Vincent Taylor got hurt and Jaleel came back to the team, Jaleel has played some pretty good football. He is the only Texan out of this one. Limited participants today in practice. Justin Britt, Nico Collins, who you'll hear from a little bit, and Chris Conley, those three were questionable. Now, I think last week, Justin was questionable. He was questionable, and then we got a notice right as we were taking off that he didn't make the trip, and so he was going to be out of the game against Indianapolis. What I also remember about last week was that Justin, I don't believe I saw practice at all last week. He has been a limited participant the last couple of days with a knee injury. In fact, I think I saw him walking out today in full garb. So I'd like to think that's a that's a good sign, but you just you never know. You you really don't. Now, Chris Conley, during the game against the Colts, had a neck issue, but he ended up going back in the game. After which was interesting because I got the notice that he was questionable, and right at that time I looked out and he was going out for a kickoff return. So, and again, with injuries, you never know things can act up during a game, they can act up during a week, they can be aggravated during a week. But as of now, Justin Britt, Nico Collins, Chris Conley, all three questionable. However, the good news is that Danny Amendola dealing with that thigh issue. That has shelved him since the Cleveland game. That was week two. There is no status next to his name. That means he is in, thankfully. So, Jaleel Johnson out. We will keep our eyes on Justin Britt, Nico Collins, Chris Conley, because those three are questionable. For the Cardinals, tight end Daryl Daniels, hamstring out. And starting defensive lineman, Richard Lawrence, Deal with a calf issue. He is also out. The Cardinals are not a big defense. It is all about quickness, disruption. Their linebackers can all fly, but they're all, I think at some point, were probably former safeties um, before maybe their final years in college. I know Zavin Collins was, you know, he's 260, but I think before that, you know, he was a high school quarterback. I mean, Anyhow, the, the Cardinals are not built on size. Richard Lawrence is one of the biggest guys they have on that particular defense. So, Daryl Daniels out. Richard Lawrence out. Questionable. Jordan Hicks. Devin Kennard. Tanner Vallejo. Dealing with a hand. Now, Jordan Hicks um, had... Not, I'm sorry, he had not been participating in practice dealing with a toe and ankle. He did practice on a limited capacity today, but he is still listed as questionable. Devin Kennard is a solid pass rusher. He's questionable. Vallejo, also questionable. Four participants, Calvin Beecham starting tackles. David Collins, rookie linebacker. Chase Edmonds, the starting running back. Leaky Fotu, he's probably, the, he is the biggest guy on that roster. Dennis Gardeck, a very good pass rusher. And Justin Pugh. You know, the back, he's a starting guard. So, Cardinals, I would say, relatively healthy at this time of year. Keep an eye on Rashard Lawrence. Really, I would say one of their two or three guys with some size on this defense. So, uh, that is going to be worth a watch. And this Cardinals team, and we'll talk about this in our keys to the game. 
not excellent stopping the run. Not not great. Not like some of the teams the Texans have faced this year uh, stopping the run. Then again, the Texans are not the greatest running the football this year. So something's got to give on that side. Hopefully the Texans can start to control the game on the ground a little bit and keep Kyler Murray, Hop, and the rest of them on that sideline. But that's the way it sits right now. Now, one name I did not mention is Ross Blacklock. He is not listed. He came off COVID-19. He came off that list. There was a release that came out from the team earlier this week. I don't know which day it was. I just remember reading it and, and talking. So that's probably a, a Wednesday, Monday or Wednesday. Either way, Ross Blacklock is in. And I know there was a tweet that came out at some point saying that, well, we didn't see him at practice. And that's because the practice is sort of, I don't want to say disjointed, but it's separated. They come out. The first groups come out of their special teams groups while the O and D lines um, and guys that aren't special teams, they kind of go through their activation period. So they kind of split it up. So it's kind of a rolling part of practice so that offense, defense, line aren't really sitting around. They let the special teams guys go get after it. Then they join the rest of the team after that, and they rock from there. So uh, Ross at practice, full participant practice, hoping he can play. And again, coming off COVID-19 – Look, it's hard to say um, whether a guy can be ready to go, how how badly Ross was was impacted by COVID-19, and no, no one knows. So we'll find that out on Sunday. But the fact that he's not listed on any of these lists gives some hope that Ross Blacklock could be ready to go, and we're going to definitely need that guy. The way that he was playing before COVID hit him, uh, we're definitely going to need him very, very soon. So hopefully he'll be ready to go. So... Uh, there it is, Jaleel Johnson out, Britt, Collins, Conley, questionable for the Cardinals, Daniels and Lawrence out, questionable, Hicks, Kennard, and Vallejo. Okay, that will do it. Now, one of the guys that ended up on the questionable list is Nico Collins. Hopefully, even though he's dealing with a foot issue, hopefully he is going to be ready to play. He was definitely ready to sit down with D.B. Sidhu for our Deep Slant interview of the week. That is next right here on Texans All Access. Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and football analyst for your Houston Texans. And on a Friday, which it is today, a lot of times when I'm driving home, getting ready to do radio, I love a Friday trip to Freddy's. Freddy's Frozen Custard Steak Burgers is all about the good and creating more of it. More drive through celebrations, more road trips around the block, more family dinners and lunches, more car picnics and desserts, maybe even more second desserts. Now, I've never done the second dessert thing, but I definitely have done cheese curds slash turtle concrete. I have done that. More being together as much as we can. With 17 area locations right here in Houston, Freddy's keeps the good going with the taste that brings you back. It does that for me all the time. I love Freddy's, man. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. And if you saw me, you would not be surprised that I love Freddy's as much as I do. Now, I don't know if D.P. Sidhu and Nico Collins are big fans of Freddy's. I mean, if you've seen both of them. I mean, they're skinny as can be, so probably not. You look at me and you're like, oh yeah, you've had a few burgers before. No doubt but I know D.P. Sidhu and Nico Collins had a really fun time sitting down for the Deep Slant interview of the week. 
So here we go. The rookie from Alabama who went to Michigan. We found out more about that story right here with DP Sidhu and Nico Collins. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest, rookie wide receiver Nico Collins. Nico, I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet. So first of all, welcome back to the field. I'm sure it feels good to be back out there playing. It feels great, man, just to be out there with my teammates competing on Sunday, man, just getting that feeling again. You know, it's just glad to be back. I'm great. Glad. Yeah, David Culley said that you added a little bit of a spark in your first game back. So, you know, obviously you don't want to be on IR your rookie yeah, year, but definitely. you were and you're already off again. So what were those what were those three weeks like for you? You know, it was it was pretty it's pretty rough. I got hurt Cleveland game, first play, man. You know, that I feel like that, that really set me back. So every day it was kinda of a mental thing, mentally locked in in the meeting rooms, even during practice, you know, even though I'm not getting the the physical reps, you know, I had to lock in mentally, you know, act like I'm really getting the game reps. So it was it was more a mental thing for me, um, but I feel like I did a pretty good job of doing that. You know, making sure I was staying engaged, making sure I'm not getting behind on plays or new formations or anything Coach Kelly put in, anything like that. You know, but um, I did feel like I, I did pretty good. You know, being on the IR. You know, hopefully I'm not back on that thing no more because it was devastating. No, but nobody <laughs> wants to see you back on there again. Tim yeah. Kelly actually said that you looked like you hadn't missed a beat and. When you made that catch at Cleveland, Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback, and you come back in as Davis Mills. So you haven't missed a beat. The quarterback's changed. You know, what has that transition been like for you? Um, You know, I I get both reps with Davis and Tyrod, you know. So, I mean, I feel like when I went in, first game back was Indy, you know. Came back that week, you know. I feel like we had the connection because we get those reps during camp and, you know, OTAs, you know, and just – Every day doing practice, you know, there, you know, they switch doing quarterbacks, rotation, you know, so it really don't matter who I go with, you know, we all getting the timing right, you know, on the routes I have, so just things like that, you know, so going, coming back in the game, you know, make sure my connection was good with Davis, you know, it wasn't, it felt like, you know, there, you know, just like practice. Yeah, it did seem like in yeah. training camp, you guys had a great <laughs> chemistry going, you and Davis, yeah, so mm-hmm. you, you were getting a lot of passes from him, did it yeah. feel like riding a bike, just sort of getting back there and getting yeah. your timing yes, back ma'am. again? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, you know, just like practice, you know, run, run routes, you know, make sure the time is right, make sure he putting it right there on my chest, you know, just pitch and catch, you know. So that was making sure, you know, that we got that done on Sunday. All right. So Brandon Cooks had been asked about you quite a bit during training camp in this uh-huh. offseason, and he said that you did not look like a rookie to him. <laughs> he said he may be a rookie, but he doesn't look like a rookie Good. to me. So uh, what sort of steady are you? Are you like one that watches a lot of film? Are you the type that you get out there once and you do it and you get it right? What, mm-hmm. what is your preparation? What's your process like? What made it so easy for you to yeah. make that transition this um, offseason? Yeah, so I said the, the best way I learned actually going out there and physically doing it. You know, so, for example, um, say we put in a new install. You know, I see it, write it down, and then the best way I understand is going out there, hearing it, and going get lined up and actually going through the – the footstep, the footwork, and the timing with the quarterbacks. Just getting – is having Cooks in the room, just, just the, his, his leadership he brings there. You know, I learned a lot from him since day one I got here, man. You know, he always been there for me, you know, always in my ear. You know, whatever question I have, anything, you know, he's always there to give me advice. Or if I ask him a question about a cornerback or just, like, releases, you know, he always there for me, you know, no matter what, you know, and I, and I really appreciate him. All right, coming from Michigan, you had some familiarity with Pep Hamilton and Ben McDaniel. So I know that Pep coaches quarterbacks, and, you know, he's not your receiver's coach. But how much did it help having coaches that knew you from Michigan and Uh and you got here and you had some familiar faces? Does that help a lot? A lot. It it does. It does. It helps a lot. You know, um, luckily, you know, I came here and it was here. You know, so they was there with me when I first came to Michigan. Um, I think my first two years, then Coach Pep ended up, you know, leaving. 
But I think McDaniel's, Coach McDaniel's still there. You know, just having them there here with me, um, I feel like it's, it's very helpful. You know, familiar faces, you know, it's not coming to a new environment, new scene, you know, different level, you know, a whole bunch of new faces. You know, it was some that I knew, you know, so I'm very grateful that they're here. And they still coach me hard as always. You know, nothing changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing changed. All right, so you went to Michigan, but you're from Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama yes, ma'am. And I was reading that uh, Nick Saban actually offered you a scholarship as a sophomore in high school. Yes, ma'am. How did that go? So he just showed up at your high school and offered you a scholarship yeah, so, to Alabama? Yeah, so no, this, this is what happened. I got an offer from Southern Miss that day. I still remember. So I got an offer from Southern Miss. You're a sophomore in high school. Sophomore in high school, okay. yes, ma'am. So I was, it was last period, and I was working out. And so... My coach, head coach, um, Coach Hood, he um, called me to the office, and he said, uh, Nick Saban's on the phone. You know, so I was just, you know, I was happy. You know, being a sophomore in high school, he was like, wow, you know, Saban want to talk to me. And, you know, so I went to his office, you know, I talked to him, um, and he wanted me to come up on, on a visit that weekend, you know, just so I could see see the campus, you know, see how it is there. You know, so um, that weekend I went there, and then he ended up offering me a scholarship, you know, in his office, you know, so – that one, that I'm blessed for that one, you know, because he, being so young in in tenth grade, you know, that was my about to be my first year on varsity, and um, he offered me a scholarship, you know, it was just amazing because, not I many people get the opportunity, you know, so it was a blessing for sure. And then um, that next day, Auburn offered me, so it was kind of like a rivalry. Uh huh. Sure. You know, it was like, oh, Bama offered me, no, I really got to offer him too. So you know, Auburn offered me that next day, and then ever since then, my recruiting just took off, you know. So I'm blessed for that. It's for pretty sure. amazing that Nick Saban yeah. calls you up as a sophomore in high school, but you said no to him. So <laughs> you really, you really wanted to go to Michigan, and I read somewhere <laughs> that you were re- you were doing the opposite. You were trying to recruit Michigan mm-hmm. to take you on. Did you send them film of you? How did that process go um, for yeah, you so to get Mi- Michigan interested in you? So actually, so actually, I went to a camp in Michigan. It was I think they were hosting like a like a, just a regular camp, and um, so I went there for a visit actually, and then I ended up being in the camp. So um, the camp, they just wanted me to run a couple routes just to see, you know, how run, move, you know, things like that. Harbaugh, he offered me a scholarship right after the camp, and, you know, um, I was blessed for that. And then it just he just the way he's been, you know, locked in and engaged, you know, through my recruitment. You know, he never, you know, just offered me a scholarship and then it's like disappear. You know, he made sure, you know, how I was doing, how school was going, you know, make sure, you know, he wanted me there in Michigan. And I feel like. My senior year, that was that was the best move for me. So is that you know, what is that what won you over ultimately was just the the interaction that you had with Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, and then he ended up coming down um, for a visit. Um, he actually came to a home visit. You know, um, you know, he came in like he lived there. You know, he came in, took his shoes off. You know, got comfortable. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> just sitting in your house. Yeah, and once I saw that, I was like, yeah, you know, I, li- I like. That's impressive. Harbaugh, so you when know, you're in high school, to have a, a head coach yes, of a program ma'am. come and sit in your house yeah, like that? Yes, ma'am. And then just. Just the way he was engaged with my parents. My parents loved him. I loved him. You know, just the interaction, man, just with everybody was amazing. So when I started this job, Jim Harbaugh was uh-huh. the head coach of the 49ers. Yes, ma'am. When I was growing up in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. he was the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm a little bit oh, fascinated wow. with Jim Harbaugh <laughs> and his entire career. Yeah, I love Harbaugh. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a character. He is. Do you have any good Harbaugh stories? What's your best Harbaugh story? <sighs> best Harbaugh story? I think it was after practice one day. You know, he was full of khakis. He said he was about to go over to the swim swim team and jump off the platform, right? So he was like, okay. We didn't, we didn't think nothing of it, but he was serious. You know, he didn't change or nothing. He in his full, in his khakis. Khakis. He, he was, was going to do this. Khakis, T-shirt, socks, hat, glasses. I'm talking about well, like he just took it off and just 
jumped in. You know, it was kind of like. He took right. off his clothes and jumped in the pool? No, he, t- he took off his cleats. Oh, he only took off his shoes. Yeah, it's his cleats and his sweater. But he had a T-shirt, khaki still on, socks, hat. <laughs> what? So it, it was crazy. And he jumped in and he did it. You know, so it was just like, he's different. Okay. What did did you ever find out why he did that? Uh, I don't. But he didn't want to get his, he got his khakis <laughs> all. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why, but <laughs> that's a pretty good story. It. So it was like, all right, he's he's pretty fun. You know, he's great coach. You know, he's loving, making sure everybody's you know locked in and engaged. You know, always there for anybody. So I appreciate him a lot, man. My time that I did there. All right. I also sure. read that you were an AAU basketball standout, and you were one yeah. of the top ranked players in junior high i did not even know that they yeah, ranked yeah. aau players in yeah. junior high yeah <laughs> so how, how how did that happen how how were you ranked and what were you uh-huh. really good at um so i fell in love with basketball pretty early um i say basketball is my first sport i fell in love with played up until my senior year in high school um so i play aau a lot i'm trying to maintain between aau and football sure but it was it was hard you know just being in the weight room and going to the court trying to dribble and losing the ball you losing your touch so um, it was it was it was pretty hard to balance, and my football end up my football career ended up taking off like recruiting. So I was I wasn't getting that heavily recruited in basketball, but I had a couple looks. Um, so that's that's kind of where football kind of you know took off from there. But um, I played shooting guard, point. What else? I was the I was played four also, but I could do it all. You could do it all. I could do it all. How tall yeah, were yeah. you? How when um, did you hit your full height? You're like I what say, six four? Yeah, I said I always been tall. Always been the tallest in my class. Okay. And, you know, so, oh, I say I always been about six four, six three. In high school? Yeah. Oh, okay. Six three in high yeah, school. Yeah, you're probably pr- pretty dominant yeah, basketball yeah, player I was, then. Yeah, I was pretty tall in high school. You know, I, I always been the tallest, like no matter what grade I was in. All right, I was reading about your weight because when you started college, you were about well, you were under two hundred when you started college, but yeah, then you yeah, went yeah. up. Yes, ma'am. So and I was like one ninety eight. Fi- yeah. First going to college. Sure. And then I ended up being two fifteen my sophomore year. And then my junior year, I ended up being 230. 230. Okay, so I was going to ask you, was yeah. that by design, or how did that no, happen? No, yes, ma'am. So um, I was playing my whole sophomore year with bilateral hernia, hernias. So um, the end of my sophomore year, I ended up getting a repair. Okay. And um, so I, I missed the entire spring ball, entire beginning of camp, you know, because due to my hernias, I couldn't run, I couldn't lift. Oh, I see. Anything. So, I, you know, I was eating bad, you know, and just working out. So, and it called up to me when I was able to return to the team. You know, I was overweight, out of shape, you know. So, I feel that was a huge mistake on my part, you mm-hmm. know, not being, you know, locked in during the, you know, recovering process. So, yes, yeah, so I played my junior year, 235, 230. You still played year. it that way. Yeah. Played at it, yes, ma'am. And then um came back from my senior year, and that's when I had to tighten up and, you know, make sure what I ate was correctly. And right, because people were impressed with weight. you. Yeah. People were impressed with you at the senior bowl because you had mm-hmm. trimmed down. You were faster. Yes, you were ma'am. lighter. How did mm-hmm. you what, How did you lose the weight? Oh, I just watched what I ate. And just oh, that's out. it? Oh, yeah. it's so easy. It so easy when you're in college. <laughs> you just watch what you eat yeah. and it all comes off. <laughs> all right, so you seem like a pretty laid-back guy, but I feel like most wide receivers have got, like, a good, a really good diva quality about them. Diva. What's your What's your diva quality? Like you, you I know. no, I'm sure you're not. But you know, like what you like your shoes, or you don't like your food touching on your plate. Like um, there's got to be something that you're kind of particular about. Um, let me see. The way I lace my shoes. Okay. I like so it depends on what kind of shoes I wear. So, for instance, if I wear some Jordan ones, I like like I like to have the laces hang. Okay. Or I like to take them out in um the first hoop in time and the second one. Okay. Kind of almost make it seem like it's kind of like floppy. Okay. A little swag. 
Um, <laughs> but do you ever hide the laces so it's just like? No, nah, you can't hide the laces. You never hide the laces. I like hide. to hide the laces sometimes because I feel like you want to see the shoe. Well, not in the Jordans, nah. but like other shoes. Okay, yeah, other shoes. Other shoes. Sometimes see. you want to see the shoe. You don't want to yeah, see the yeah, laces. See, Jordans, you can't hide. So the you're laces. a little bit. So it's just it's the laces. That's it. It's the laces. That's the yeah. best we're gonna get out of you. You're really, you're really pretty laid back. Otherwise. Yeah, I feel like I am. Yeah. I feel like I am. Yeah. I'm yeah, I feel like I'm just level mind. Just Our social it. media people said that you like a lot of tweets about napping and sleeping a lot. Is that your is that your hobby? Yeah, your hobby yeah. is sleeping. <laughs> I like sleeping. I'm I love, same. I I'm not going to disagree. Uh-huh. I just love laying down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's the best feeling. You know. Do you, you take cat naps during the day? Uh, I used to, but yeah. now it's, I don't because I go to sleep kind of early. Yeah. I wake up early. Well, yeah. Yeah. So. You get your sleep in. What time do you go to bed? Nine thirty. Okay, and Nine then you 30. wake up. Uh, Five fifteen. Yeah, that's yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, that's treatment, you're getting you're getting the right amount of sleep. Yeah. I would think. I say not? latest, latest. So I say ten thirty, latest. Okay. Max. No time for naps. Yeah. Maybe in the off season. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love naps in off season, <laughs> especially like after a hard conditioning day. You get done around twelve, go back home, shower, you got the rest of the day chill. I mean, that's a good nap. That's like a good four hours. That's a great hobby. hobby. That's a solid. Nap. I endorse that hobby of <laughs> napping. All right. What about for the rest of the year? Because. You never know what's going to happen at the quarterback situation. You got Tyrod, you got Davis, and and what are some things that you want to get better at? You've got some games um, still ahead of you. Everything. I just want to get better, just understanding the offense, understanding the coverages, working on my game. There's always room for improvement, you know. So I just feel like those things I really want to work on, focusing on. But overall, just become a better player. You know, I just want to be there for my teammates, man, um, and just show up on Sundays and make plays for my team. All right, we're looking forward to seeing it, Nico. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much for the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Baller right there, baby. Straight running baller, Nico Collins, rookie from the University of Michigan. I know somewhere, Tyler Marcotte, my good friend, is losing his mind because he went to Central Michigan, loves Michigan State, and can't stand the Wolverines in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it I think it physically hurts him to see Nico Collins making plays for the Texans, but uh, uh, we look past it. Um, because Marcotte is a lovable sort, and he will grow to love Nico Collins, the Texan, no longer the Michigan Wolverine. All right, when we get back, is Nico Collins a key to this game for the Houston Texans? Yes, and we will talk about that next with my keys to the game right here on Texans All Access. 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 Hey, we've got a lot of fans out there today, but I've got to give some props to today's biggest Houston fan, that's Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston, from comfort and convenience to air quality. Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more about Dykin at perfectingtheair.com. That's our good friends at Daikin. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And it is time for my keys to the game. Now, I know that sounds sort of self-serving in some sense, and it's not meant to be that. It's just meant to say, I, I came up with these. So if you don't like them, then you can take issue with me as opposed to like somebody else. And I'm not reading somebody else's. So... It's the Arizona Cardinals, 6-0. They have won four of the first six on the road. In fact, they have won by double digits on the road for their four games. One by 25, one by 12, one by 17. And last week, they beat the Browns by 23. At home, they've won by one and seven. 
So, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's something there. Here's the, the facts, though. The Cardinals are 6-0 and and very, very good. So let's start with how to stop this Cardinals offense. What are the keys against this Cardinals offense? And I know as you're sitting there, you're going, oh, I, I know, you got to stop Hop. Well, yes. But the things that Hop does... Nobody can stop those. Nobody, nobody can. I mean, the way he makes catches, how he makes catches. Th- those, but there is one key as it pertains to DeAndre Hopkins, and we will get there in a second. This is a group that's rushing for 131 yards per game. That's 60 the NFL. They're throwing for 272. That's ninth in the NFL. Total offense are over 400 yards, 403 yards per game. That's seventh overall. So they're top 10 in those three categories, top nine in those three categories. They've only lost five turnovers. Four interceptions for Kyler Murray. One fumble lost. This is a team playing clean. This is a team playing efficiently. They've got a lot of different things that they do. So let's get to the keys. And it starts with number one. And that's Kyler Murray. Now I found out, I I, I think I've known this. And and that's why I did it. But I did my daily brew this morning. And I do always do a by the numbers for my daily brew. And one of the things I realized, like, wait a second. Kyler Murray didn't lose a game in high school. He was 43-0. He won three state championships at Allen High School. Then when he went to A&M, then to Oklahoma, he was, oh, wow. Who did he lose to from the state of Texas? Okay, well, he lost the, the 2018 Red River Shootout. It was a Red River Rivalry. Excuse me. Red River Shootout, Red River Rivalry. I don't care. Red River Rivalry is really every time you So I said Red River Shootout because I'm old school. Lost that in 2018, but did he lose to anybody else from Texas? No. Did they, okay. Well, he hasn't played the, the Texans. Had he beaten the Cowboys? Yes. He is 48-1 in starts against any team from Texas. High school, college, pro. 48-1. And one of the main reasons, and what, what got me thinking about that, and one of the main reasons that he's so difficult to stop is his ability to extend plays. We watch him. He didn't run the 40 when he was coming out of college. He didn't run it. I don't know why. He just didn't do it. I guess his thought process was, if you watch me on film and don't think I'm fast, then I can't help you. And he's probably right. You could tell how fast he was. But he is the fastest guy on the field. He's got a laser arm so he can make throws and throw into tight spots. He's got a strong arm so he can throw it all the way down the field. He's got all the different things um, that you want in a quarterback. He's just 5'9". But... That's good and bad for the Cardinals. The good part is he extends plays, and that's got to be something the Texans take away. That's not easy because the way the Cardinals protect up front, they force outside rushers to make a decision. Are you going to rush high? Because if you rush high and go try and go around that way, Kyler's going to step up, step out, and now you're in a world of hurt. Because now your linebackers have got to decide, dang it, do I go tackle him? Or is he going to throw it to the guy that I'm leaving behind? So your pass rush has to be pristine. This might not be a week where you get a bunch of sacks rushing just four guys. Somebody's going to step out of a lane. And I'm not saying that just because it's a Texas room. It's everybody. Everybody that rushes, everybody steps out of a lane. They're just trying, man, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. They're working all kinds of moves. And before you know it, 
You're rushing to the left when you should have been rushing to the right, and Kyler's escaping out of the pocket. And a great example of that was against the Browns last week where he threw a touchdown to Christian Kirk. And it was just one of those where the defensive end on the right rushed high up the field. Kyler was able to step in, buy himself a little bit of time, kind of leak out to the left, and that was enough time for him to find Christian Kirk for a touchdown. So the good part is that for the Cardinals. The bad part is because he's 5'9", if you keep him in the well, I don't know what he can see. And that's what you have to be able to do. You have to be able to keep him in the well for as long as possible. Now, am I going to sit here and tell you that's easy? No. But does it have to be done? Yes. Number two, hop. Now, like I said earlier, he's as good as it gets in every facet that you can think of for a receiver. But the one thing the Texans have to be able to take away from him, and it's the one thing I think that is possible to take away, and that is his catch and run ability. I always felt like Hop was completely and totally underrated as it pertained to his catch and run ability. Last week against the Browns, he made five guys miss at about the seven, eight yard lines. Like it was like slalling around guys. Like whoo, whoo, he turned this way, he turned that way, he spun. He did. I mean, I mean, who doesn't remember Hop spins? I mean, he is as difficult to tackle in the open field. But that's about the one spot where the tech, the Texans can slow him down. Him toe-tapping on the sidelines, him going up over a defensive back, those are all things. I mean, you can't defense those things. But you can defend him running after the catch, and that's what you got to try and do. Number three, I call twins, Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. These two guys have added so much to this offense. I think Christian Kirk flies well under the radar, and Rondell Moore has come in and given him a kickstart because he is dynamic, whether they run a jet sweep, whether they run a push passes, whether they run him down the field on slot fades. These two together are a huge problem, and they use them in combination like they did last week against the Cleveland Browns. Underrated, this is one of my favorite running backs in the league, is Chase Edmonds. And back when he was coming out of the draft about three or four years ago, there's always this time and draft period where I'm like, you know what, I've seen all the guys, I've seen, I'm just tired. I, I, I want to see something different. And so I then kind of moved to my list of players that come from FCS schools. At Division, you know, one double A, Division two, Division three, I started going to those level schools, and so I had heard about this running back from Fordham. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna check him out, and I turn him on, and two plays in, I'm like, wow, holy smokes, this dude is good. This guy's fantastic. He's a problem. Third down play the other day on the first drive against the Browns, he just darts through, big gain, kickstarts that team, and he's not a diva running back. I mean, he, he doesn't need to be fed 25 times. In fact, he's better with less carries because you also give the ball to James Conner. But I think Chase Edmonds is a massive problem. Number five is actually more a Texans thing. And I said this to Mark during a break the other day. If you're going to do simple, you better do simple exceedingly well. And it's not as if the game of football is a simple game. But I think... Lovey Smith has always been, we're going to take what we do and we're going to master it. And that's how we're going to beat you. Well, to do those things, you have to have eye discipline. You have to be disciplined in everything you do. You have to tackle well. Uh, you have to play aggressively. You have to win at the line of scrimmage. There are things that you have to be able to do. So if you're going to do quote unquote simple, you better do it sensationally well. All right, flip it over to the defense. Cardinals defense has given up 128 yards a game on the ground. That's 24th in the NFL. Keep that in mind. 215 yards a game through the air. That's 6th. And overall, 342.8 yards per game. That's 10th. So pretty good through the air overall. But on the ground, hmm, 
maybe that might be something. I know the Texans have wanted, wanted to get there. They just haven't gotten there quite yet. But here's the biggie. Oh, boy. 13 takeaways. Six interceptions, seven fumble recoveries. The Cardinals are plus eight in turnover margin. They're not killing themselves, and they're taking the ball away. So keys to going against this group. Number one, the golden ticket. Yeah, it's Marcus Golden. Yeah, you thought I was going to start with JJ. I'll get there. The golden ticket, Marcus Golden, is one of the more underrated pass rushers, I think, in the league. He's kind of bounced around. He started with the Cardinals, then he went to the Giants, took some money, came back to the Cardinals, and I think he's better now. And because there's such a focus on JJ and on Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden is a guy that kind of flies under the radar screen, and then he just tears people up. 44. Got to handle him. There's no question. Number two, the linebackers that these guys have are like safeties. They are very difficult to account for. Isaiah Simmons was a safety at Clemson, but then he was a DN. He was linebacker. Um, he was a, a strong safety. He's free safety. He's a corner. I mean, he did it all. He's now locked in a linebacker, but that's like, it's a safety, a guy with safety speed playing linebacker. Next to a guy who's 260 pounds, who's a rookie, who runs just as well as anybody and plays linebacker. And there's Jordan Hicks, although questionable, who is extremely fast, quick, and aggressive to the football. These linebackers are a problem. Now, they are super aggressive. Can you use that against them? That's got to be a key. Number three, the Buddha says so. That's Buddha Baker. Quite frankly, quite frankly, he's one of the top three safeties in the league. He may not look it. And talking to Nick Casario this week is very interesting because Nick was like, I don't care how big that dude is. That dude is a flat run baller. And I, I agree totally. I loved him coming out of Washington. I wanted him here with Houston. He is just fearless. He is great against the run. He covers a ton of ground. He can play uh, deep. He can play near the box. He can do everything. Buda Baker's fantastic. Number four, well, that's J.J. Watt. Do I need to say any more? Is he playing at a level uh, that he was last year? Yes. Numbers aren't all the way there, but that's never. I mean, J.J. has always posted great numbers, but J.J. impacts every game that he's in. And they've got to, got to, got to account for 99, which will lead to number five, and that's comfortability part five for Davis Mills. It's imperative the Texans get Davis comfortable early and then keep him comfortable throughout the game. So there you go. Those are your keys to the game against the Arizona Cardinals. All right, coming up, let's talk to Mark Ingram. Yeah, a little Drew's dozen with Mark Ingram next right here on Texans All Access. Here on Texans All Access. Here Welcome back, everybody. This Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans and a big fan of our next guest not because he won the Heisman Trophy but yeah kind of because he won the Heisman Trophy I love the Heisman Trophy everything about it studied the history I know it backwards and forwards I love everything about the trophy I talked to Andre Ware a lot about it and Andre Ware is a big fan of our next guest and that is Mark Ingram he sat down with Drew Doherty for a little bit of Drew's Dozen let's dive deep with Drew with Mark Ingram on this Drew's Dozen right here on Texans All Access Drew's Dozen Time with running back Mark Ingram. Always good to be with you, Mark. Hope you're doing great. And uh, you and I were walking into the building recently at the same time, and I looked, and you had an awesome backpack on. It was much cooler than the Jan Sports, you know, that I had back in the 90s when I was in high school. But in your other arm, you had a casserole carrier bag. Yes, and sir. I noticed it because my wife and my mother-in-law are always 
and my mom, you know, always going back and forth with their casseroles. <laughs> what was it? Because you said you had no, the I was, best I was, casserole. Yeah, I was wondering how you knew it was a casserole carrier. Because yeah. he was like, what kind of casserole you got in there? I'm like, how you know it was a casserole? <laughs> I know, it is a yeah. weird question yeah, to yeah. ask. But it's a weird thing to be carrying in the football building at the same well, time, right? Well, over the years, my wife had uh, just kind of, you know, blessed the team with, like, casseroles on Saturday mornings. And um, it kind of became a ritual. And um, everyone loves them. So. Yeah. A couple of guys obviously were with me in Baltimore. They're like, when are you bringing the cash rolls in? Because the first few weeks I hadn't brought them in. Wifey was not making them. You know what I mean? Right. And I was like, man, I was like, you know, a couple of guys asking about the cash rolls. Uh, like, what's up? Like, you going to make some cash rolls? And uh, she made the cash rolls for us. So I bring them in, and it's for the RBs first. Gotcha. And then, you know, the leftovers, O-line, come get some, tap in, and then others just kind of, like, trickle in and get some cash roll. But – that casserole was it last weekend or it was, was last Friday or Thursday? So yes, late last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, last Friday. So it, it was the tater tot casserole. Oh, all right. So tater tots, eggs, bacon, some sausage, and uh, but she makes three different kinds. So that that kind was the tater tot casserole, but she also makes a, a biscuits and gravy casserole. She also makes the French toast casserole. Nice. So that but, sounds good. Man. Yeah, that but, sounds really, really. Yeah, you good. You just got to interchange them. You know, what I mean, keep everybody on their toes. Yeah, know? and I imagine you, you know, yeah, you talk about the running backs get the first crack at it. By the time the other guys, it's is that thing just like pretty much look clean? Well, there's only well, there's five of us, so. But I'm talking about like once the, the O linemen get through. Oh, it, once the O line, yeah, that's once the O line gets in it, and you know, a couple tight ends, maybe a receiver and some D linemen. There's no casserole to bring home. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's always the happy plate. It never has any casserole left over when I leave the building. <laughs> yeah, like it was a situation where, if if you're listening or watching, where I had to be in my office, and you were, you had you were clearly were like getting into the meeting, so like I couldn't keep talking. But <laughs> it was we we're both kind of quiet, and we we're both. I think there there's a little bit of grogginess, you know, because it was in the morning. <laughs> but you lit up when I asked about the casserole. You're like, oh, this is the best one. So I, yeah. you really piqued my interest there, but that's good to know. Yeah. The casserole's fire, man. And you could ask some of the other guys that have tried it, but everyone says that they love it, and they always tell my wife, say, tell her thank you. Yeah. And we definitely appreciate the casseroles. <laughs> I'm sure it is fire because you're an NFL running back bringing in a casserole carrier. You're not going to bring in bad stuff. So yeah, makes, sense. <laughs> makes all the sense in the yeah. world. I like the DC United T-shirt there. You uh, are – Part of an ownership group there with, yes, with DC United. So, do you like Ted Lasso, the TV show? Have you seen it? I'm, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. My One of my best friends told me that I have to watch it. Yep. And um, I'm going to get on that soon. I've been on a few other series with me and my wife. Yeah. So, I'm going to start Ted Lasso. Okay. What you finishing up right now with your wife? We just finished C. So, S-E-E. Okay. What's like that Like C. It's uh, basically – so, Sight was like uh, in the world before them. So, everyone's – basically blind oh. but now that they have their sighted people they're sighted people and so like all the blind people think they're like witches and like it's like witchcraft and they're really bad so you have these witch hunters trying to go through all these villages all these towns all these you know different areas of whatever type of world they're wow. in yeah. and they're trying to find the sighted people you know what <laughs> i mean and because they want to kill them or they want to use them to their advantage of some sort. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to give you the whole no, plot, no, you know yeah, what I mean? Because it's a good, it's a good season that you should watch. Stuff right there, yeah. But yeah, but everybody's blind. There's a few sided people, and basically the village is trying to protect their sided people. Okay. Because it's one of the main leaders of the village. His lady had the babies, 
Now, did you find this and say, hey, let's watch this? Did she find it? Did somebody recommend you? you guys so I was sitting it? here talking to Justin Reed in the cafe, uh -huh. and he said, have you seen C? I'm like, have I seen what? He said, have you seen C? I'm like, C? He's like, yeah, S-E-E. -E. I'm like, what, so like a show or something? He's like, yeah. And I asked him what it's about, and he basically and gave me the rundown, and I brought it home tomorrow. I said, wifey, you got to watch C. <laughs> and so we watched C. Because we always love watching our shows. That's one of our things that we do yeah. together. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Get a couple episodes in after we put the kids down. Uh -huh. And we just finished C. And, um, yeah. You uh, f have four children? Yes, sir. I have five. So <laughs> I kind of know. Like, I, everything you just said is very, very familiar. So when you have that many children, there's a process putting them to yes, bed sir. at night. It, you, you, know don't just, you don't just uh, say, hey, no. go to bed, dude. It's you? like 45-minute process, oh. maybe an hour. You, you know? guys are lightning fast. Yeah. I feel like a big <laughs> failure because it takes us a little longer. Yeah, it takes a while. It takes a yeah. while. You know, you got to get the teeth brushed. You got to bathe them. Then you get the teeth brushed. And you got to put iPads away. Yep, and yep. you got to take them upstairs. They want to read a book or they want to mess around and get thrown around the bed. And yep. then. I tuck them in and they get out because they got to use the bathroom. There's gotta, always one yeah. lingerer that comes down and needs to <laughs> chit chat about yeah. something. Or, yeah. yeah, always. Always. The, always one that comes down the steps. You're like, you know, about to get in the bed. You're like, I need uh, to wear my rain boots tomorrow or something. <laughs> it's just some random stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. But it's always something. And hopefully you end up getting them in and hopefully they stay in the bed. Don't make, mo don't make noise. Don't keep each other up. And you can have your peaceful evening yes. with, with the wife. You I know? totally <laughs> Totally. What's the spread? What's the oldest to youngest? I have my first one. She's six, will be seven in December. Yeah. I have a four-year-old daughter. Then my son is three years old. And my baby girl will be two on the 27th. Oh, that's wonderful. So she's about six days out. That's great. So from Happy two to seven. to baby girl. Yeah. That's, Ma that's baby great. girl Mela. Baby girl Mela? Yeah. All right. I have a Mila, a Mila, Mark the Third, and okay. Mela. That's awesome, all M's. Yeah, and then I have three sisters, Maya, Mia, and Malia. <laughs> really? So my mom's not happy. Because <laughs> of all the M's that she So gets. she gives all her grandkids their nicknames, you know. So Good good yeah. nicknames? You like them? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like them. I mean, as long as they like them and she likes them, I'm cool. Yeah. It's the GG grandbaby relationship. As sure. As long as it's good, they're good. <laughs> What's the uh, two-year-old birthday going to be like? Is it something serious? Like, is there a, a theme? Because I think when mine turned two – uh, a year or so ago, it was Baby Shark. Was it the Baby big Shark? Yeah, loves yeah. Baby Shark. Baby Shark. Yeah. Uh, PJ Masks. My son loves PJ Masks. You know, Frozen. The girls love Frozen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, this one, you know, she's still young, so I don't think she knows. But she, we know she likes the movie Home on Netflix, and it's like the Boove, mm -hmm. the Booves. That's what they, the little alien thing they call mm -hmm. Boove. And so maybe she has a Boove or a Home theme because that's one thing that she really does love. She says, I want to watch Boof. I want to watch Boof. I want to watch Boof. <laughs> and the movie's called Home on Netflix. But it's a good movie, and my baby girl loves it. It's the only thing that she'll sit there and literally just sit on the couch and watch, and she'll be good. She won't make noise. She won't cause havoc. She won't cause commotion. Those are rare. She'll, she'll those, just sit there and watch them Boof. Those shows are rare for, for that age. Mm -hmm. You can't get them to She them. She won't watch. No. She won't, she, she, it, nothing keeps her attention long enough. Yeah. She's down. She's, yeah, she's running too. around. She's messing with her sisters, her brother. Mm -hmm. But this one movie – just keeps her locked in, and she wants to watch it all the time. And whenever stuff is crazy and hectic and she's tripping, I just turn on home, and she watches Boof. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. That's great. Uh, back a little bit to soccer. So I like soccer. You know, I've, I I was lucky enough I got to study in the country of Spain when I was in college, and I went to a game there. And it was eye-opening because I'd, you know, I'd gone to baseball games and football games here in America, but 
never a soccer game in mm-hmm. Europe. And the first thing I noticed was, this is 1998, I'm old. I was walking up to the stadium, and there's a guy with a full machine gun, you know, riot gear, all that stuff. And I was like, wow. Where were you is, at? This was in Madrid, Atletico yeah. Madrid. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Real. I went to both games, or both teams, but this is the first one. Mm-hmm. It was Atletico, and it was awesome. Yeah. What was your eye-opening experience? Because I've heard interviews with you. You've gone and seen games in England. You've gone to Brazil yeah. and, and all that. What was an, an eye-opening experience like that when you saw a soccer game? It could be on the field, off the field, whatever. It was, it was definitely the World Cup when yeah. I went to Brazil for the World Cup. Just going to experience that was insane. I went to, um, a, play, I went to a couple USA games. I followed the USA men's team, and they played um, – I played Portugal, so I saw them play Ronaldo. Wow, yeah. And uh, we were winning the whole game, and then in extra time, R- Ronaldo comes, and yeah. they he, he puts one in the back of the net, and they tie the game. And instead of us winning that game, we end up tying, mm-hmm. which we don't get the points we need to get yep. a lesser opponent. We had to go play Germany. I actually followed them to Recife, Brazil, to uh, and they played Germany, and the Germans were crazy. They were just tactical. Yeah. and uh, But – the one thing I went to a watch party because I, we had went to the USA games, we had went to like a Switzerland game before, but we had went to a watch party because Brazil was playing. Oh yeah. But they were playing like far away. You know, what I mean, I was I was coming to watch USA, but Brazil was playing like somewhere further away. And, and people, that, I don't know if everybody realizes that's a massive country yes, yes. land wise. There's yes. lots of big cities all over. The of place. course. Yeah. So we it's it wasn't drivable. No. It wasn't flyable. It was flyable, but we couldn't get there in time yeah. from the games that we were coming. Mm-hmm. So we went to a watch party, and it was just like – it was a huge big screen and just like bleachers, but they had like these like like kind of like suites up top, and the place was just insane. The place yeah. was going crazy. Brazil scores a goal. The place is going absurd. The place is going crazy. And just how much they love their soccer and how much they love their national team. Yeah. And with Neymar and all those guys that they had, it was just an insane experience, man. So I think that World Cup just kind of, you know, triggered the – lit the fire even more for soccer. And then I've been to an Arsenal game in England. Big deal. The game I went to here, Mexico versus Canada, mm-hmm. that game was insane. I have never heard this stadium as loud as – I've heard it during a Mexico game. It was – the I, one I went to was in 11, Chicharito. He got the ball, and he was on a breakaway. Mm-hmm. I thought the roof was going to come off. Man, so it was tied. It was maybe 2-2. Two to two. They were in extra time. It was probably a minute to go, you know what I mean? And Mexico hits a corner, and they put one in the back of the net. The place goes mm-hmm. insane. They're throwing, they're throwing yep. beers. They're yep. throwing dipping dots, whatever's in their hand, popcorn, <laughs> whatever's in their hand. It's in the air. I'm looking down. My wife's looking down. She got some creamy white stuff on her arm. I'm like, what is that? Like, ugh. Like, you know what I mean? There's beers everywhere. I walk in the next day, the whole place smells like beer. Yep. You know what I mean? But uh, that was like an international experience, and it was right here in NRG. So yeah. don't sleep, guys. You know, if you weren't here, you definitely missed a treat. <laughs> don't sleep. It's, you're, no, you're not joking on that. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Uh, December 21st is your birthday. Yes, sir. There's some interesting people born on your birthday. You've got Chris Evert, the tennis legend. You've got Florence Griffith Joyner, a.k.a. Flojo. I know you know who that Flo is because you're a track guy. Yes. We're back in high school. Yeah, Flojo. As well as Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. the actor. Yeah, I know that one. What's the best Samuel L. Jackson movie or your favorite? <laughs> the best Samuel L. Jackson movie. I don't know, man. He's been in so many legendary ones, man. Yeah. What's yours? 
I like the one where he gets his bank account like de- 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 deleted by Ben Affleck. I can't even remember the name of this, but he like pretty much goes bananas, and then like <laughs> and Ben Affleck realizes that well, I shouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. But I can't remember the name of it. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, we need the names of some of the movies yeah, because yeah. I've watched so many of them, but. He was good I, in that Die Hard one. Die third, Hard was good. Third Die Hard one. What else, man? He was just in one recently. I saw that. It was. I really liked all good. the Star Wars ones he was in. Star Wars is Obviously, always legendary. I mean, the Pulp Fiction is the like. Star Wars the, is always legendary. Always. I love Star Wars. You got a favorite Star Wars character? Mine's Chewbacca. I was about to say Chewbacca, <laughs> but how can you go without Luke Skywalker? Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, Anakin yeah. Skywalker, yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean. Well, Anakin was—he turned out kind of bad. There he did. For he a did turn. Bit. He did turn out bad, but helped erase in a pl- plan. Yeah, he was a great. He was a great character, <laughs> though. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, your let's go rapid fire now. Here, what was your first job? Cutting grass. Yeah. Yeah, I never had a real clock in. I never that's punched a, a clock. That's grass. a real job, though. Yeah, like, I don't I, wanna, yeah I'm I, not going to diminish cutting grass. Yeah, I was that's cutting grass. I cut grass. I how shoveled many, snow. How many lawns could you get in in a day? I'd do like five or six. That's a long day. Know? Yeah, that's a long day. My uncle would take me, and we'd get it done, and he'd give me like 20 or $30 and per lawn, and I'd end up with like 100 bucks a for day. the day. And I was 12, 13 years old, and I was rolling in the dough. Oh, man. You know what I mean? 12, 13 years? That's like uh, <laughs> that's like the equivalent of making 80000 if you're you're an adult, you know? You, you can't tell anything to a 12-year-old if they have 100 No, bucks. no. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't need you for anything. How much did you save? How much did you spend on stupid 12-year-old stuff? I spent m- most of it on tup- stupid 12-year-old stuff like yeah. candy mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, a video game from GameStop. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that runs you $40 right there. That's so, serious, yeah. You got 60 left after you get candy and some ice cream, maybe a pair of shoes. You you need to cut some more grasses. <laughs> you know, you're like, when can I cut grass again? <laughs> First concert, best concert. My first concert. That's a Ted Lasso. He asks that question sometimes. But first My concert. First concert. Hmm. I don't know. You don't know. What's the best concert you ever seen? I went to the weekend, and that was a really good one. Boy, that guy can. He can go. He's a, he's a great performer, and he sings straight in the microphone. Like there's no like music and people just lipping it. He's singing straight into the microphone. No Millie Vanilli. Yeah, so. You could just tell how talented he is, and yeah. so that was probably my favorite one. That's a good one. Uh, greatest invention ever. My greatest invention ever, or no, ju- just the greatest invention. The ever. greatest invention. But ever? if you have the great, if you have the greatest invention, I'll take that too. If you want. The greatest invention ever has to be aircraft. Okay. Like flying. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, favorite exercise in the weight room and least favorite exercise in the weight room. My favorite exercise in the weight room. Would have to be. I don't know if I just love any exercise. Like, right. I do it because I need to do it, and it benefits me, and it's good for me to do it. But I probably had to say, you know, biceps, biceps, triceps, triceps. You know, get the gun show going. Anything you're just like, damn it, I got to do this now. Getting up on that squat bar, you know what I mean? Got to load that back up. Get up on that squat bar, sit deep in the bucket, come back up. Just get your headache, the veins start popping up in your. You know, temple area, that's always a tough one. Okay. Uh, Halloween's coming, so we'll wrap up with that. Favorite Halloween candy? Favorite Halloween candy is Snickers, Reese's, Skittles, Starburst, Nerds. What do you? What do you just like, I didn't want that in my bag or my bucket. I mean, 
Probably like like candy corn. Oh, you're one of those, huh? Yeah, I don't want you no don't candy, like candy corn. corn. I don't want no candy corn. So you don't like the candy pumpkins either? Candy corn pumpkins? I don't want candy corn in my bag. Not Okay, all right. <laughs> I think candy corn gets a bad rap for the record. Uh, and <laughs> the last one is your best Halloween costume ever is. My best Halloween costume ever. <laughs> Probably. Is that how I said it? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Were you doing like South Park there? Or? Ever, yeah, yeah, Cartman. <laughs> you were Cartman? Yeah, my best Halloween. No, 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 no. I wasn't Cartman. I was imitating him doing with it. that okay, voice. Okay, okay. But my best Halloween costume, probably, I was a minion with the family. We were all minions. Good one. All so right. we had on the yellow with the overalls, with the goggles, and we were pretty cool. I like that. Is good. Uh, here's the last one. Are you going to dress up as a family this year? We don't dress up as family because all the kids want their own individual things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So my son is Catboy off PJ Masks. Yep, we've done that before. The daughter's like some evil vampire princess. Okay. The oldest one. Mm-hmm. The second daughter, who always wants to be a dinosaur, and she wants to be a dinosaur this year, but we taught her no. <laughs> she is now being, I'm not sure, maybe a princess or something. It's a big departure from dinosaur. Yeah, because she always wants to be a dinosaur. Right. So last year, they didn't have dinosaur. So we just ordered a dragon costume, and she thought she was a dinosaur. That's close, She yeah. thought she was a dinosaur, but she was really a dragon. But, and then uh, the baby will be a PJ Masks character with my son. That's awesome. And me, I just like to wear a mask so nobody notices me and I can just go trick-or-treating. So now I'm trying to find uh, the mask that the dude was wearing in Squid Games. Have you seen Squid Games? I've heard it's great. I'm one of those folks that hasn't seen it. So I'm trying to find me a Squid Games mask. Okay. I bet they exist. Amazon's usually the place to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure it's a hot commodity and I'm sure they might be sold out. So I should probably have my wife get on that tonight. All right. Well, if she's not making casserole. What are you being for? We're uh, I, we're gonna go as like Toy Story, so I'm gonna be Woody. Yeah, yeah that's dope. Yeah. What's your ratio, boys and girls? I've got twins, so I've got five twins: boy and a girl, eight years old, six year old boy, a three year old girl, and a seven month old girl. So, okay. Yeah, the seven month old, she's gonna be the three little sheep. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Poking out. Yeah, yeah, so, that's cool. So that's fun. cool. That's yeah. cool. Halloween's always fun with the kids. It sure is. Hey, Mark, yeah. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, Thanks no so much for the the Drews dozen and best of luck on. Sunday. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Mark Ingram, ladies and gents. That dude is the absolute best. That guy is so money. Oh my gosh, I love Drew Doherty. I mean, Mark Ingram and Drew Doherty. I love both those guys. They're two of my favorite guys in the building, no doubt. All right. When we get back, it's time to do my predictions. A lot of games in the NFL. Yes, the team's on a bye. The Dolphins, the Jaguars. They're on a bye, but there are plenty of NFL games going on. I will pick them all straight up and against the spread next right here on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. It's about that time on a Friday when I just get giddy with excitement. Why? Well, because this is the segment in which I make all of my predictions. I'm your host for this evening's proceedings, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and this is my way of going around the NFL. Somebody said, hey, we got to do like an around the NFL segment. This was like years ago. And I was like, all right. Well, sometimes I just kind of hit some of the nuggets, some of the news flash sort of things. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pick games. That gives me an opportunity to talk about every single team in the league, and then compete a little bit by picking the games. Sound good? Cue up my music. There it is. Let's go to Green Bay. There's been a lot of news. Former Texan Whitney Merciless joined the Packers. 
Five and one Packers taking on the Washington football team. Packers have won five in a row. Washington football team underachieving at this point at two and four. Green Bay is an eight-point favorite at home. I like the pack to win. Watch this. Washington to cover. I got I just have a feeling. Packers coming off an emotional win at Chicago. Washington desperate to get this thing going. I'm going with Washington to cover that eight and give the Packers the win. Let's do that. Wow, I just I feel sort of whew, that feels crazy to start. But that's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. Packers win. Washington covers. Oh man. Game of the noon window. Well, one of them, actually. Man, as you look at some of the others, there's some good games in this noon window that we'll be paying attention to as we get ready for a game at 325, uh, 125 out in Phoenix. That said, Chiefs-Titans. Dang. Chiefs at 3-3. Three three, got a win last week. A decisive win. Taking on the Titans. Coming off a massive Monday night win against the Buffalo Bills. In Nashville, Kansas City is favored by four and a half. Now, there haven't been too many teams to beat the Chiefs in the regular season over the last few years. The Titans were one of them. Back a few years ago, the Titans got all kinds of busy in that Kansas City Chiefs business. I don't think it happens this time. I think the Chiefs are about ready to turn the corner and get it back going in the right direction. I think the Chiefs are going to house the Titans. I think Derrick Henry has a decent game. 125, a tutty. But I think the Chiefs are going to slow down that passing game, and that's where they're going to take over. I think the Chiefs win this 39-24. So they cover the 4.5, give the Chiefs the win on the road in Nashville, something Buffalo couldn't do last week. The Falcons at 2-3 and three are taking on the Dolphins. Actually, the Dolphins eschewed a bye. I thought they would have a bye. Didn't realize they... Decided not to take a bye after playing in London. So they play at home against the Atlanta Falcons, where the Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Now, I can tell you from having taken that London trip, I needed the bye week. I don't think the Dolphins have a chance in Hades of winning this game. I think there's all kinds of things going on. Which makes me feel like I should take the Dolphins, and I'm going to. I know that it's what the Deshaun Watson rumors and Tua and coming back from London... This feels like the complete opposite. Like, this feels like a Costanza game. Go opposite. Think opposite. I'm thinking, man, it's a slam dunk for Atlanta. To go take on the Dolphins. Atlanta had a bye week after coming back from, from its London trip. This feels like it should be Atlanta all the way. I'm going Dolphins. I don't think Dolphins are very good. But I do think the Dolphins are going to win this one. I'm, I'm going oppo. Dolphins win, which obviously will cover that two and a half as well. So Dolphins win. Dolphins cover. Dolphins outright. Oh, man. I can't believe I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. The JTS Jets, Jets, Jets are taking on the Patriots in the Bill Belichick Bowl. If you remember, Bill Belichick was once, well, not once, twice the head coach of the New York Jets. Never coached the game for the New York Jets. But a lot of you didn't know that. But he did. He's coached a lot of games for the Patriots. But this year, it hasn't gone well. They've got two wins. they got four losses. Now, they've been narrow, and they've lost a couple of close ones. Should have lost another close one in NRG Stadium. But they pulled that one out, and they're playing at home against the Jets, who the Patriots beat already. New England's favored by seven. I think the Patriots win this 
I don't even know if the Jets can get that many points. Let's go 31-17. Patriots win. Go to 3-4. Jets fall to 1-5. Panthers are taking on the G-Men. Man, the Giants are not very good. Not very good. But the Panthers have lost three in a row. Beat the Texans on a Thursday night to get to 3-0. That was September 23rd. They have not won since. They have struggled, struggled since. Yet, the Panthers are three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Giants in the Meadowlands. Now, I would immediately think, oh, the Panthers are going to win this. But, again, I'm going sort of oppo earlier. I think I trust the Dolphins more than I trust the Giants. Both former Patriots, coaches, Joe Judge, Brian Flores. Do I trust... Joe Judge and the Giants to get a win against the Panthers. Not this time. I think the Panthers are going to stop what ails them. They're going to stop turning the ball over. And they're going to put points up on the board, make the G-Man chase them, and it's not going to happen. I think Carolina's going to win this and win it by seven at a minimum. So the Panthers win and cover on the road. All right. When I looked at earlier, the Chiefs-Titans, I said, oh, this is game of the weekend. Then I looked down and I saw this game. I thought, hmm. I think this could be the game of the weekend. And who would have thunk it? Who would have thought Bengals v. Ravens would be playing in an AFC North clash that would determine the number one spot in the AFC North? Are you kidding me? That's how well the Bengals have played this year. They're not shooting themselves in the foot. I think, quite honestly, the Bengals have really compiled a roster that is really super talented. And Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase are sick with it. But when you talk about Burrow to Chase, you also got Tyler Boyd, you got T. Higgins, you got C.J. Uzoma, you got Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. I mean, you've got weapons galore. But the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. And that, my friends, is enough for me. Now, the number six and a half. I don't like it, but I probably, at seven, I probably would have said, give me the Bengals. At six and a half, give me the Ravens. I think the Ravens win this by seven. This feels like a good old-fashioned 38-31 because the Bengals can score now and the Ravens can too. I'm taking Ravens to win and cover, but this is going to be a heck of a ball game. This feels like it's going to be a fourth quarter where you're sweating that cover, but... Lamar is going to get it for you. Trust me on that. Lamar is going to get it for you. And the Ravens will move to 6-1. and one. All right, let's go to the afternoon window. And you got the Texans and Cardinals. And, you know, my thoughts, I don't pick, you know, heart and head. Arizona's favored by 18. But keep in mind, as I said earlier in the show, at home, the Cardinals have won by 1 and 7. On the road, they've destroyed teams. At home, they've not won by more than a score. So, We'll see if that changes this week, but I don't pick ever the Texans game to go against my heart, my head, all that kind of nonsense, which you've heard before. Now, the first game in the afternoon window is out in Las Vegas where the Raiders got a massive win at Denver after the resignation of John Gruden. Rich Bisaccia took over, and the Raiders looked good. Everything they did looked good. I mean, mean, offensively, they attacked. Defense special team didn't make mistakes. I mean, the Raiders looked good. The Raiders are favored by only three in this game over the Eagles. I think the Raiders are going to blow them out, I, eh, relatively speaking. I think this is 31-21. I 
yes, they the the Eagles had a mini bye after the Cowboys game. No, Cowboys. No, Buccaneers Thursday night game. So they had a little bit of time off. But the Eagles are not a great football team. And they no longer have Zach Ertz. And they really didn't do much against the Bucs. Now, the Raiders are not as good as the Bucs. That said, playing at home, I think the Raiders are going to win this one by 10. That'll definitely cover the three. Take Las Vegas jackpot, baby, to win and to cover that three-point spread. In the Jared Goff-Matt Stafford switcheroo bowl in SoFi Stadium, the Lions, 0-6, the only winless team in the league, are taking on the Rams. Don't know how the uh, AFC West pulled that off with their top teams taking on the Texans at 1-5 and the Lions are 0-6. L.A. favored by 16. I think this might be one of the last games we see Jared Goff. The Lions are not extremely happy with him. Dan Campbell kind of challenged Jared Goff to do more for this team. And look, the Lions should have two wins. They lost 19-17, game-ending field goals in both, and... I mean, just gut-punch losses. So the Lions have played well at times. They will not play well enough to win or to even cover that 16. I think the Rams put it on them. Let's go go 35-14. Rams win and move to 6-1. The Bears are taking on the Bucks Sunday afternoon in Tampa Bay. The Bears not doing a lot offensively with Justin Fields. Uh, rookie quarterback still trying to find his way. I mean, obviously, we know that story here in uh, Houston with Davis Mills. A lot is expected of Justin Fields, though, because he's the 11th overall pick. The Bears moved up to get him, so he's got to produce. But the Bucks didn't play exceedingly well against the Eagles, but better than they've been playing. And I think with the mini bye, the Bucks are going to be tough. They're favored by 11.5. I think they cover that. This is 28-14. 31-17 kind of game. Bucks are going to win and cover that 11.5. That is a big nut to cover, but I think they're going to do it. Bucks win and cover. Sunday night. Oh, boy. The DeForest Buckner returns to San Francisco Bowl. The Colts are taking on the 49ers. 49ers just, I think it's Garoppolo, but nobody's sure. I don't know what to think of the 49ers. I know the Colts. Now, relatively healthy, are going to be tough to beat. I just don't know. You know what? I don't want to do it, but I'm going to. I think the Colts are going to go to San Francisco and pull the upset. It's an upset because San Francisco is favored by four, but I think the Colts are going to win this game. They'll lose Julian Blackman. He got injured this week in practice. That's going to sting that defense. But I think there's enough there in this Colts defense to make life tough for San Francisco, especially if they have quarterback issues. Let's go with the Colts to upset the 49ers and obviously cover that four. And the Monday night, Saints and Seahawks out in Seattle. Russell Wilson still banged up. New Orleans favored by four and a half. I mean, Jameis Winston against Geno Smith. I don't know. I get real excited about it. But let's go Seattle in a desperate, desperate upset over the Saints at home. I don't know how it happens. Let's go 27-23 Seattle Seahawks. With an upset of the Saints. All right, there are your predictions for this week. We get back, let's get some Houston Methodist minutes in, and let's get Drew's final word with Mark Ingram right here on Texans All Access. Right here on Texans All Access. Right. We got one final segment this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. 
football analyst, sideline reporter, and we got a lot to do in this final segment. But I want to speak to all my teachers out there first and foremost. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills presented by my friends at ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. All right, kick off this final segment. We need to get my man Mark Vandermeer in with our Houston Methodist Minutes. Mark, take it away. It's Houston Methodist Minutes, and today's topic is hip injuries with Dr. Josh Harris. No relation to our John Harris football guru, Dr. Josh Harris, a hip guru. And let's get into this. Pick up the conversation with preventing hip injuries and those stand-up desks better than you think for preventing hip injuries, avoiding a sedentary position. Doctor, do they work? They are definitely great. I have one personally myself. Many of my partners actually have one as well. And it's because of that exact issue of the shape of the ball and socket hip joint. And so when you stand, that impingement is coming out of the socket and there's less chance it's going to push on the cartilage, push on the labrum and and cause symptoms. And so the standing desk definitely does help your hip. All right, athletes that get hip injuries and have hip surgery, and I know it varies, but is the recovery good enough to get them good as new? Are they ever really the same with the hip? Yeah, so the biggest predictor of success at the time of hip surgery to fix impingement and cartilage tears in athletes is how much they have at the time of that operation. And this is usually a surgery that's reserved for younger individuals, teenagers, 20s, and 30s. And so at that time, if they have no cartilage damage in their joint, no arthritis inside the joint, then the prediction of pain relief, symptom improvement, and returning back to play is actually very high. Um, at, our, at our institution at Houston Methodist, we've actually studied this in several different sports for professional athletes, including the NFL, and we've looked at the predictors of success and failure. And the biggest predictor is how much arthritis they have. If they have no arthritis, the likelihood of returning back to play is probably greater than about 80 to 90 percent if they have a little bit of arthritis that number probably drops and i think the biggest key is that in those individuals that do return back we've actually found that their performance so the stats and so um their touchdowns their yards everything that they're trying to shoot back towards um is as good as pre-injury and so i think that that's one of the things that a lot of athletes a lot of teams um really are looking for we've just not been doing this long enough to follow out in large numbers either at the combine or from publicly available data Data or from our literature. That's Dr. Josh Harris with hip injury prevention and information. For more, go to HoustonMethodist.org. It's the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. Now, earlier in the show, we had a chance to have a little Drew's Dozen with Mark Ingram. And the great thing that Drew has been able to do with the players is get a little Drew's Dozen and then talk a little football with him and talk about this matchup this weekend that Mark Ingram has with the Arizona Cardinals. So Drew doesn't, not really about football too much. Drew's final word, a lot about football. Let's get to it right now. Mark, it's been an interesting week as a leader. How much do you talk in a week like this? How much do you simply do in a week like this? Just get back to work. Just stay grinding. Uh, Stay focused on the task at hand, trying to make sure I'm preparing to the best of my ability to go out there and help the team win. And uh, you just try to do that, 
by example, and you just try to, you know, have communication with your teammates just to make sure everyone's on the same page, make sure everyone's feeling good with the vibes and the energy. And um, you just go out there and work, and you try to put your best foot forward so we can give ourselves the best opportunity to have success on Sunday. Because of the outcome last Sunday, it wasn't talked about, and it was sort of lost in the shuffle, but you ran the ball really well. I mean, you were over four yards a carry. It was one of your best performances of the season. What, what was a little bit different, if anything, for you? I think we, uh, I think the offensive line just did a great job of just getting movement, creating movement, and creating seams to run through. Had a couple chunk runs, and that always helps. So, you know, TK calling the runs, trusting us that we're going to execute them properly, but all due with the big guys up front, tight ends, receivers, all those guys being able to block and get hat on the hat and just create seams for us to run through, and that's why I was able to run like that. Yeah, and you're a pretty confident guy. I get the sense that you're confident that that performance from the line up front can continue, don't you? It's sustainable, right? Of course. I have the utmost faith and confidence in those guys. Uh, they always work, and Coach Camp does a great job of preparing them and making sure that they know what to do with different looks, uh, with movement they're getting on the line. You know, they ha- he always has those guys ready. So uh, I'm excited that those are, that's my offensive line, and I'm confident that we'll be able to you know continue the success. Let's talk about this front seven for Arizona. What impresses you the most? What presents the biggest challenge in your eyes? They have a lot of guys. You know, Chandler, JJ, the backers, D tackles. You know, got some Buda Baker. They're just a well coached defense. Fly to the ball, they play well within their scheme, and they know how to adjust and adapt and make adjustments. And, you know, that's the signs of a good defense. But, you know, it'll be a good challenge for us. We just have to limit them. We have to stay on track. We have to play winning football, you know, not have turnovers, not have uh, penalties, and not have missed assignments and mental errors. So, um, of course, there'll be mistakes. Everything won't be perfect. But um, we're excited about the challenge at hand, and we're all working and looking forward to putting ourselves, having the best opportunity to have success in the game. All right, we got to find out how you're powering game day. So the night before, say, a noon game, how many hours of sleep are you getting? When are you waking up to? I'm probably like eight hours, right around eight hours. I'm probably, if the bus leaves at like 930, I'm probably up around like 8, 8.15-ish. Give myself like 45 minutes just to, you know, mosey around get dressed, pack up my stuff, and then get down for breakfast about 30 minutes and get on the bus headed to the stadium. So, simple. <laughs> and what is for breakfast? I usually do, like, a waffle. I get some egg. I get an omelet with, like, broccoli, spinach, some bacon, a waffle. That's about it. I'd be force-feeding myself on, on game days because I don't really have too much of an appetite. Yeah, I can Not, understand. Yeah, so I'd be kind of force-feeding myself. But uh, that's what I eat. <laughs> but you mix in broccoli in the omelet. I've never actually met anybody. I always see the broccoli there, but I never yeah. see it actually get eaten. Yeah, I like broccoli, and the greens are good for you. Yeah. So supposed to give you energy for the game. So I <laughs> uh, try not to just put a lot of you know protein in my omelet, but just you know put some vegetables in there. Stay so light, I can, so I can get those greens in there and get my waffle and put some strawberries on it, the syrup on it. Give me a couple orange juice and. You're all set. Ready to roll. <laughs> all right, and last thing, any music that you listen to once you get to the stadium and you're getting ready and going through it? What, do you, what, what are you listening to? I listen to a lot of different things, like old Lil Wayne, old Jeezy, old Gucci, Lil Boosie. I listen to some Future, Young Dolph, Gunna. I just kind of rotate through a shuffle of what I'm feeling. Meek Mill could be in there. It could be anybody, man. So you um, mix it up. Yeah, I just mix it up and whatever I'm feeling. But it's it's, it's, it's turned up. It's some, some rap music, some trap music, 
get going. You know what I mean? Especially when I'm in the locker room getting ready, uh, close to get ready to go out. Got to turn the music up, get crunk. You know what I mean? But kind of like on the way to the bus, more mellow, more smooth. Maybe some gospel, maybe some old school. But once I get in the locker room, it's time for business and got to get the energy up. So Understandably so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hope the energy remains high on game day. Good luck to you, Mark Ingram. Best of luck. And we can't wait to talk to you again very soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Love it when Mark Ingram can grace our airwaves. And, of course, I love it when Drew Doherty is leading that way. Love it when D.P. Sidhu has a chance to go deep slant like she did with Mark Ingram a couple weeks ago. Just love having Mark Ingram on the air. I, I hope he plays for a very, very long time and plays very, very well. But when he's done, he's going in front of a mic. I mean, his podcast is already very, very good. Um, so I just don't want Mark to take my job at some point, which, which he might because he is really good in front of a microphone. Um, but there are a lot of good people that are on this show this evening. We have Mark Vandermeer, David Cully, D.P. Sidhu, the rookie, Nico Collins. We had Drew Doherty. We, of course, had Mark Ingram, and we had all of you. We have my man Robert Harris, Jr., back in studio, making sure that I didn't step on the court or unplug anything or say anything bad. So my man Robert Harris, Jr. is the best uh, back at uh, Station Mission Control uh, at Sports Radio 610, so appreciate him. Appreciate you, all you guys. It's been tough. Last week was tough up in Indianapolis. This one could be tougher against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and hopefully your Texans are going to go toe-to-toe with arguably the best team in the league. I say arguably. I don't know if it's arguable at this point. I think Cardinals are the best team in the league. And hopefully your Texans are going to stand toe-to-toe and swap punches like it's a heavyweight 15-round fight. That's what you got to see that's what we need to see on Sunday from this group of Texans going up against J.J. and Hop and Kyler and all the great players for the Arizona Cardinals. We will see you then 48 hours or less than 48 hours from now as the Texans take on the Cardinals. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.